Oh, hey friends, it's Friday, which means it's the weekend and you've made it. And today we have a great show for you. We're gonna be talking about our first experiences with Pride. Then Zach is sitting down with Nico Tortorella, the star of Younger, who's also a queer activist, as well as Monet Exchange. Yeah, so stay right there and we'll see you on the time. Get out of my way. <laughs> Good morning, Twitter. My name is Syzygy and I'm also Barbara Walter's body double. Today on a very special episode of Gayem to DM. Wait, I can spoil that, right? Yeah, it's gay, bye. Good morning, Twitter. I'm Alex Berg. He's Zach Stafford. It's Friday, and you are watching Gay M to DM, our first Pride it's show. So exciting. Also, so exciting to have Sissy G assault us. Also, that. On live also television, that. Yes. which is really uh, fabulous. But every week, we will be getting assault. I'm kidding. No, every week, <laughs> we will be hosting a Pride show uh, to highlight LGBTQ stories, issues, people, things that we love, things we're excited about, and things to get you excited for your own Prides, wherever yes. you are at. And we love a pun, which is why it is yes. gay into DM. But listen, we contain multitudes. Yes. We celebrate and see all LGBTQIA individuals. It's just that I would say LGBTQIAM to DM doesn't AM have the same, doesn't have the same kind of no. punchiness to we just it. Call it you know what I mean? To M. Indeed. To dim. So that. Anyway. Yeah. Speaking of pride, <laughs> here's a tweet from NPR. NYPD has, have never went so far as to apologize for the June 28th, 1969 raid at the Stonewall Inn. Until now. That raid led to the Stonewall Riots, a watershed moment that sparked nationwide demonstrations by LGBTQ activists. And Police Commissioner James O'Neill tweeted, it would be irresponsible of me to go through World Pride 2019 and not speak of Stonewall Inn, June 19, 1969. What happened should not have happened. The actions taken by the NYPD were wrong, plain and simple. The actions and the laws were discriminatory and oppressive, and for that, I apologize. Incredible. What people have to realize, no matter where you stand on police, is that it's taken 50 years for 50 this group, very famous group of people, to say, years. we're sorry for dragging you out of a club for no reason besides that you are LGBTQ and, you know, really brutalizing you. And it's just an incredible moment to see this finally happen. It is an incredible moment. And one thing I was really struck by was the for that I apologize mm -hmm. moment. Yes. It feels like really taking accountability, really a sincere apology. Yeah. Somebody is standing up front and saying they shouldn't have done this. So I have to say, I would like to see more apologies in the year 2019 that are have that sense of full for sure. accountability. For sure. For and you know, Mr. O'Neill did have a lot to apologize for. You know, he was yeah. not there during the Stonewall riots, but he has over the years, and he's only been in, off in this position for a little bit of time. But during that time, he has openly said, we don't need to apologize. Mm -hmm. The apology is apparent. We have evolved. We do all these things. But what he realized in the Stonewall 50 year, that it doesn't matter what you can assume about a police force. You have to say the words. And I'm sorry, it goes an incredibly long way, especially for this community. Yeah, and it's definitely a complicated conversation for sure, because as we've been talking about pride marches mm -hmm. and pride events, there is a conversation happening about what kind of role the police should have yeah. during Pride, and yet at the same time, there are LGBTQ police officers. So one thing that I am definitely keeping in mind is that this Stonewall 50 anniversary is still allowing us to have all of these different and interesting and important conversations yes. about our community and really tackle some of these issues head yes. on. Which I love. I love. A yeah. conversation. A queer one. Absolutely. <laughs> well, here's a tweet from Slate writer Mark Joseph Stern. This is huge. A bombshell from the Hoffeller file seems to prove that North Carolina Republicans lied about ra a racial gerrymander in federal court to prevent a special election that threatened their supermajority. 
He added in another tweet, just to be clear about this, the Hoffeller files seem to prove that North Carolina Republicans illegally used racial data to redraw districts that had already been struck down as a racial gerrymander, then lied to a federal court about it. Mark joins us now to discuss his story. Hi, Mark. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. So good to have you, especially on Pride Month. So this story comes from information contained in a secret file. Could you tell us about what these files are? Yeah, so uh, in 2018, the Republican Party's gerrymandering guru, Thomas Hoffler, died, and he left behind 18 thumb drives and four hard drives containing what seems to be his life's work of gerrymandering. Uh, He personally drew some of the most gerrymandered maps in the country for Republicans. He taught many more Republican lawmakers how to draw these maps, and it all seems to be uh, on these hard drives, on these thumb drives. His strange daughter, who is liberal, found the materials after he passed away and turned them over to Common Cause, which is a voting rights group that's involved in a bunch of voting rights litigation. They have just started to pour over the materials. They've already found two bombshells in the span of just a few weeks, one in the census case uh, and one in this redistricting case in North Carolina that seems to prove the Republican lawmakers actually lied under oath and broke the law. Yeah, this story is really wild. It contains that like family intrigue conflict element too. It's really something. Um, Can you talk to us a little bit more uh, about this most recent discovery uh, about the case and just what's at the center of it? Yeah, so in 2017, uh, the Supreme Court struck down a bunch of legislative districts in North Carolina as a racial gerrymander, an unconstitutional racial gerrymander, uh, and told the district court, uh, we're not sure if there should be a special election. Take a look at how disruptive it would be to the state's democracy. Ideally, you know, if there is an illegal map, there should be a special election under a new map that's not illegal. Um, But Republicans rushed into court and said, hey, look, we have no maps prepared to fix this problem. Like we haven't even started working on it. So there's absolutely no way that we can hold a special election. We're just going to have to keep the current maps for another year and a half. What the Hoffler files seem to prove is that when Republicans said that in courts, both on the stand and in court filings, they had maps prepared. Hoffler had already drawn maps that were like 97% complete that would have allegedly fixed the racial gerrymander. And Republicans seem to have just hidden those maps from the court, told the court they didn't exist. And because of those misrepresentations, they were able to put off the special election, uh, hold their supermajority for another year. And during that time, they wreaked all kinds of extra havoc on North Carolina's democracy. Ooh, that is quite some tea there, Mark. So what's going to happen next with all this information? Are you hearing anything? Because I know this just came out. Right. So right now, uh, Common Cause, the voting rights group, is fighting just to preserve its access to these files. So uh, Republicans are saying, oh, you got it illegally. You're not allowed to look at it. You have to surrender all of this material. That doesn't appear to be true at all. Common Cause obtained this information totally legally. They actually issued a subpoena just to make sure they could possess it lawfully. They seem to have every right to uh, view and use the vast majority of the files. Uh, I think the next step in this particular case 
might be to ask for sanctions. Uh, because in addition to concealing those maps that were already on hand, it appears that Republicans uh, had Hoffler use racial data to draw the new districts. Now, remember, these new districts were supposed to fix the old racial gerrymander. And the federal district court explicitly said, do not even look at racial data when you're drawing these maps. Republicans said, oh, of course, we'd never do that. We're not even considering racial data. But the files that were released yesterday show that Hoffler had a ton of racial data on his computer, that it was factored into all of the maps that he drew. Uh, and so that suggests possible perjury. So I think we're going to see some real consequences for North Carolina Republicans in court because common cause isn't happy. And the judges who put off this special election on the basis of misrepresentations, they probably aren't going to be happy either. Wow, it's a lot. I'm definitely intrigued to see what else comes from these files. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me on. It's now that time of the week where we share with you the person you need to follow ASAP. And during Pride Month, we will be highlighting LGBTQ folks who inspire the both of us. To kick off the month, we'd like for you to meet, if you don't know her already, the incredible Raquel Willis. Blackpack tweeted, Raquel Willis is the first transgender executive editor of Out Magazine, and her leadership is already changing the face and focus of the magazine. In her first cover, she features prominent Black transgender and queer freedom fighters. Oh, so beautiful. Mm. And Raquel also uses her Twitter platform to not only kiki, but most importantly, fight for the visibility and empowerment of trans women everywhere. She tweeted, we don't need public debates on trans women. We need trans women elevated and allowed to speak for themselves. Raquel joins us now. Good morning. Good morning. It's so good to be with you, friends. Oh God, you we are so, so excited. There she is. Yeah. Awake. Hello, Raquel. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. It's all a facade. I'm not really awake. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're playing it off well. We want our viewers to get to know you better. So you're a journalist and an activist. What inspired you to follow this career path? Yes. So I grew up in Augusta, Georgia. If you've heard of it, you deserve a cookie and a coin. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I grew up there and I really felt isolated as a young, Black, queer, and at that point, budding transgender um, woman. And so I, I always felt like I had a story. And more importantly, that I wanted to help and support and empower others to tell their stories. So I studied journalism. I graduated from the University of Georgia. And I was kind of immersed in this world where uh, the, the Black Lives Matter movement was popping off, right? And then we started to see more reporting on the murders of my sisters, trans women of color. Um, and so it, it really just was important to figure out what that balance was to actually put my energy into um, shifting conditions for our community, but also telling those stories. Mm. So that led me to the Transgender Law Center, where I came in doing communications and, and quickly moved into national organizing and working with trans and gender nonconforming folks around the country. And then I, I started this program called Black Trans Circles, which is all about the healing of uh Black trans women in areas um, that have faced a lot of violence and murder and building up their leadership. So I'm still working on that project and working with some amazing organizers, particularly in New Orleans currently. And then I got this opportunity to out to really 
bring these stories of marginalized folks to an even bigger platform. And so now I'm kind of figuring out how to meld it all together. (laughs) Well, you're doing a beautiful job as someone that is part of your sister publication, The Advocate. But I'd love (laughs) to hear from you, how does Twitter play into all this? I've been a longtime follower of your work. I believe that's how we first met. But how are you using that platform to accomplish these things you've set out to do? Absolutely. So at the beginning of my career, I actually was a Tumblr girl. So it's really funny that (laughs) I later became more of a Twitter girl. Um, and, And Twitter really became an outlet to really process what was happening around the world. And so like I was saying a second ago, you know, witnessing the power that um, people in the movement for Black Lives had in elevating um, the issues affecting our community and and how we were being treated um, by the government and by society at large, it only made sense that as a Black person and as a trans woman and a queer person that I figured out how to use all of that to talk to all aspects of my identity. And so I think Twitter is a very powerful platform. Obviously, we know that there are so many Um, ways in which maybe marginalized voices aren't being heard or are further marginalized um, on these platforms. But it's beautiful to see day in and day out people um, taking the power more and more into their hands and demanding the respect and presence that we so deserve. Well, we've been thinking a lot about our first Pride experiences, and later on in the show, we'll be talking about them as well as reading some tweets from folks who are just having their first Prides, and they're really endearing and lovely Mm -hmm. tweets. Um, I'm wondering if you have any Pride memories that have just really stuck with you. Pride memories that have really stuck with me. Well, I I think, um, so I, when I finally had a chance to go to a Pride, I was a little bit older. I was in college and um, the first Pride I ever went to was Atlanta because I'm from Georgia, go figure. And so after a few years and, and getting more tapped into the local activist scene, one thing that was very important for Um, Black, queer, and trans organizers in Atlanta was to raise awareness around the fact that there are so many issues still plaguing our community. And so I remember us doing what's considered a die-in while we were walking in one of the parades. And that has always stuck with me of kind of bringing back, you know, the that those radical roots of pride, right? And those radical roots, particularly um, in the observance of the Stonewall riots. And so I think One of the biggest things I hope that people kind of gain in the conversation swirling now is that we can both celebrate and be happy and and excited about the strides that we have made socially. But we also have to acknowledge that there was a lot of struggle, a lot of fury, a lot of rage and frustration that our ancestors, people like Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera, Stormé Delivery, and Miss Major um, were expressing at that first Stonewall. Mm. Well, at the Stonewall riots, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And thank you for speaking their names because I think we should speak yep. all of their names. Every Pride from ever, forever and ever. Raquel, thank you so much for joining us today. And I look forward to seeing you at some Pride event in New York. Yes. Absolutely. She will be out here. They got you all <laughs> running ragged, honey. Yes, yes, honey. Yes. I will talk to you soon. You can follow Raquel on Twitter at Raquel Willis underscore. And we've got a great show for you. Nico Tortorella and Monet Exchange are here. But up next, it's Fire Tweets. Woohoo! Loving this Pride show so far. Fire! 
Welcome back. It's time for Fire Tweets. But first, I just want to mention some of those fantastic uh, voices we heard in Good people. Morning Twitter. Yes, amazing, amazing people. I mean, it's not, it's not uh, what is it, normal? I don't want to say normal, but you don't, it's not every day that you see queer journalists on a show talking about issues that aren't just queer. Mark was yeah. here talking about gerrymandering. Absolutely. Raquel was talking about her work. We are queer. It's just an incredible, incredible pride day. Yes, here's to 100% queer guests, yes. queer hosts, queer everything. Queer everything. Queer it all, queer it all. <laughs> all right, let's get to these tweets. Nikki, you tweeted, The Gays remembers every word of any major single of any 2000s pop girl. What's the square root of four? The Gays. <laughs> We don't know. We don't know. I don't even know what a square root is anymore. <laughs> you don't even know what a square root I is? I mean, listen, I have never been someone who is like the math oh, person, God. but I at least is know what that is. Like the whole of a, su- I don't know. Like a square root of four would be two? Uh, yes. Two. Great. Exactly. Great. Great. That's all you need to know. I want it math. It's fine. We're, but we're like, moving on. <laughs> reciting any, I don't know, like Britney Spears lyric offhand, like can totally master that, yeah, you know? I can lip sync so. for my life, but I can't solve uh, the, the bill at the end with the, well. the, the, the tipping because we tip here at AMTDM. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get to the next tweet from Hey Bay. If I'm gay and you're gay, then who's driving the car? <laughs> a lesbian? I, a lesbian. A lesbian woman will be driving that car. Or go. Zach Stafford because I... Living in LA for two years. Breaking news. I've never, was never in a car wreck. My whole life was never in a car wreck. And I've never gotten a traffic ticket. So I can I can drive or I may just have really good luck. I don't know what it that is. That is possible. Are you basically doing the equivalent of like, not hashtag not all gays right yes, now? not all gays. I think that's like exactly what's happening. Or I'm saying or, I'm not gay. <gasps> I'm kidding, I'm gay. Oh my gosh. It's I okay. feel like you don't even want to attempt the, no. the headlines God. that happen here. <laughs> the, the editor in chief of advocate is not even gay. Whoop. Let's move on. <laughs> Cozy, you tweeted. My gay and bisexual gene arguing about which side I must stay on when I was 15. <laughs> I'm like genuinely laughing at all of these because like <laughs> I can relate to them, one. But two, I just I can't relate to this actually because I never identified as well, bisexual. I was always like gay, 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 gay. This one I was like, it me. You know, I identify as bi. I have always identified as bi. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, unfortunately, that bi folk are still subject to is the idea that we are going through a phase yeah. and I am so sick of that. It's, so, it's terrible because you know what? You have a great example here, a beautiful example, that bisexuality so sticks. It stays. Really? It does. It, it will does be there indeed. forever. Yeah. It doesn't go away. Still very much enjoyed this. It doesn't tweet. go away. I like your tweets, which we have one from Ty. Who tweets? Graphic design is my passion. Quote, it's June, which means it's illegal to be straight. Anyone caught not being gay will be immediately reported to the police. <gasps> so, dear straights, we don't make the rules, we just follow them. Sorry. Indeed. I feel so bad. We have incredible straight people that work on this show. Incredible, <laughs> incredible. Show up every day and deal with our bullshit. So I'm sorry, but it is our month. I know it is our month. <laughs> it's just going to be like this until the end of this yes, month, this and is then all. we'll stop attacking everybody yeah. for their heterosexuality. Yes. Reparations. So. Boop. All right, tweet of the day. Yep, okay, let's do it. Tweet of the day comes from the Gay Burn Book. Meet from June 1st through June 30th. Move. <laughs> I'm gay. Give you, oh, yeah. you run or walk very quickly. I was getting off the plane because, as you know, I was in Canada yeah. for the day yesterday. Hello, Canada. You were lovely. Quick day trip. Um, quick day trip to Toronto. Um, but I was trying to get to my Uber, and the straight couple was deeply in love and carrying their, bugget, their buggage, their luggage. And I was like, move, I'm gay. I need to get care. to my Uber because I have to go home and go to an event. Like, we always have so much going on. It's pride. I'm, I'm booked. Move, straight people. My belief is that if you are a heterosexual person during the month of June— you should just seed the sidewalk. Yes. Let us have it. 
Yes. Eventually, you he, can assert your dominance once more. But use use the the scooters that are use the scooters. <laughs> Straight people on scooters. Is that is that like heterosexual culture? I don't know. I don't know. Riding something dangerously. Heterosexual <laughs> culture. Mm-mm. Well, coming up, something that's not dangerous is my sit down with Nico Tortorella, who stars in Younger. But up next, we're going to be talking about our first Pride experiences that have nothing to do with scooters. I'm sorry, we're just Stay dragging straight people this whole <laughs> show. Are. I love you, mom. <laughs> This is our first Pride show. We'll be celebrating every Friday for the month of June, and we're calling it Gayam to DM. You're welcome, America. Grant R. Douglas tweeted, This is my first Pride month under my own roof with no one to hold me back from celebrating. I've never been to a Pride event. Some of us have to wait till our mid-20s to get to the same place as the rest. But we are happy to be here. Happy Pride. Mm, I love that. Robert, you tweeted, I went to my first ever Pride event last night, and I'm 37. We all get where we need to be in our own time. Have a great Pride Month. I love these tweets. I'll try to make you cry. It is incredible because, you know, Pride still means so much to so many people. And, you know, we get to work in media where we're like, oh, Pride. Another, we're going to work for 31 Days Straight. But others, it is revolutionary for them to be there. Yeah, this, these tweets took me back to my first experience with Pride and just gave me mm. kind of a newfound appreciation for mm. seeing Pride through new eyes, if you will. Oh my God, I want to hear your story. Don't, put, don't push okay. past that. Let's hear this Let first Pride. You. So my first Pride was in 2011 in New York City. It was shortly after the Marriage Equality uh, mm. Act had passed, so New York State was going to get same-sex marriage. So there was this real and deep, true sense of celebration in the air. And I can remember being on Fifth Avenue and watching the parade go by and seeing, like, I think Governor Cuomo and some other New York legislators walking down. And it's just this moment feels like time slowed down for me Mm, because it was just so amazing. And I love the idea of, like, really celebrating the cultural needle moving, really celebrating something happening and it being imbued with all of this meaning. So, I mean, that's incredible. That's incredible that your first Pride was at this big moment that, you know, this moment that she's speaking of, that meant that most people in the country could not get married. Yeah, they could not get married. So you were experiencing something that had never happened in the U.S. Yes. And it helped create, like, a a point of entry for you to think, I'm a queer person. It did. it's okay. It did. What was your first Pride? My first Pride was, I think, 2005. Also, in Georgia, like <laughs> Raquel Willis. We uh, probably didn't see each other at this Pride. I don't remember a die-in, sadly. But I do remember me tricking a boy that had come down to Atlanta with me. He was a family friend. His name's Luke. I don't care if he knows this. Um, <laughs> and because this is part of therapy, to own your truth. Yes, uh, I was truth. deeply in love with him. Deeply, deeply, deeply. And he probably knew, but ignored it. And we just so happened to stumble into Pride. <laughs> I knew it was there. Um, at Piedmont Park. Uh, Pride happens in early fall in Atlanta or late summer, however you dice it. And as we entered, we started seeing all these couples. And it was the first time I saw these queer people just openly feeling safe about being together. And he joked with me we should hold hands so people won't won't, uh, hit on us. And I was like, of course, yes, let's do that. And we held hands. And it was the first time I held a boy's hand in public. And I felt so safe and felt so comfortable. It's incredible. Uh, and while we never got together, um, he is now married to a woman. I am single, so straight people win. Um, <laughs> I, I do have that memory, and it was really life-changing for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I cannot express just how much being in LGBTQ spaces for the first time was just a revelation. Mm, yeah. and, and that sense that you could just, like, be with your people. Mm-hmm. You know, now I feel like I'm a slightly older queer. I, I sometimes I'm a little jaded around these things. Yeah. But um, really, it is something that is so special 
to consider okay. and so grateful to, you know, be in a position to get to have access to those spaces For sure, for well. sure. And like, I, and I just like love hearing about these 37-year-olds showing up to Pride this year. That's absolutely, great. absolutely. It, it's your time. It is your time. <laughs> so let's take it to the timeline. Tell us about your first Pride using the hashtag AM2, it's June. <laughs> it's a long hashtag, lots of hashtags. <laughs> just AM to DM. <laughs> just AM Up next, I'm talking to younger star Nico Tortorella. Stay tuned. I'm so excited to be joined by Nico Tortorella. You know them from Younger, but they're also a poet and author and of the upcoming memoir, Space Between. Hey now, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm great, it's so yeah. great to meet you finally. Yeah, you too, in person. So, before we get to the book, mm-hmm. I need to ask you about Younger. Shoot. I'm a big fan. Can you give us some hints about what to expect? So I know what to tell my therapist before I go <laughs> later this week. Well, th- this is the most dramatic season to come. I think that we've all been really leading up to this moment of... From for Josh's character trying to mm-hmm. figure out what it means that Claire's showing up pregnant, mm-hmm. right? For Liza, what's going on with Charles? And for Kelsey, what's going on to be the boss of this company and how mm-hmm. she's going to really manage that position? Yeah. Um, I think Josh, for really for the last five, six seasons, has desperately been trying to take care of somebody, right? Mm-hmm. To like give his entire heart for to sure. somebody else. And that really happens this season in a beautiful, special way. Oh, so Josh keeps taking care of everyone else, but not himself. Yeah, he starts to show up for himself. I love that you uh, spotted that. I always say, you know, Josh is really giving all of his attention to everybody else. And like, a girl needs to just take a step back. We all need to go sometimes. to Hey, preach on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd love to ask you about Josh as a symbol, I think, for mm. older women dating younger folks. How yeah. do you think he as a character is helping us reimagine the boy toy, the young thing during a potential midlife crisis, even though Liza, I would not say is going through a midlife crisis, right. but there's so many you know, representations of young men with older women. Yeah, I'm all for it. I mean, I think... Um, Time and age is as fluid as everything else, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I've definitely dated older. Uh, when I was 19, I was dating uh, a 33-year-old for a good chunk of time, and then I dated a little bit older than that for a while. Um, and I'm, I'm all for the dude being like objectified and sexualized mm-hmm. on this show, right? It's, all, it's, for the most part, usually the other way around. Yeah. And um, get out there, everyone, you know? Mm-hmm. Like... Go find yourself a little boo thing. I, I love that. Yeah. That's your pride motto. Find uh-huh. yourself a little boo thing. Or more than one. Hey, <laughs> multiplicity. <laughs> well, speaking of a boo thing, yes. you have a boo thing on your upper thigh. Oh, I do. I'm going to call it a boo thing. I love that boo a, thing. It's a beaver. It is a beaver. Tell me about it because we have an Instagram post of it. It's right here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I come feel like on. that picture stops internet traffic. When that you really something did like something. That. So, what is, what is going on? That's here? the shortest caption in the history of Instagram. It is right a, there. It is a memoir. <laughs> it's a memoir, a full memoir. Um, yeah, the beaver. Obviously, Obviously, there's like a, you know, a little, there's, there's some gender fuckery in yeah. there, right? Uh, but I, I, I bought this house uh, last year upstate and I just, I fell in love I, with the wildlife on the mm-hmm. property. I'm like fully snow white right now. I just feel like all, <laughs> like all. Can you walk animals, out and start singing fully, a song? Fully. <laughs> what queer song do you sing to gather the animals? Um, mm, how, it's probably How Great Thou Art. How great thou art. 
It's not really a queer song, but mm, but oh, it works. Jesus was queer. How yes. that was? I mean, any person that throws a brunch as their last supper, it Fully. was not a supper. It was the last brunch <laughs> with a bunch of men. <laughs> this is called my Sunday. So. Yeah. And like definitely gender queer, yes. radical. Rose. Jesus was number one. He turned water to wine. Yes, yes very queer. <laughs> you were just honored in Los Angeles. Yeah, there's a day named after you. Oh, like what? You are now like a figure within the parade. Yeah. Tell me about this honor. LGBT Heritage Month. I'm the first person. Uh, the first ambassador for Incredible. Los Angeles, which it, it, I got the phone call about it. And it was really one of those moments where like it didn't sink in mm -hmm. until I was there. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, Councilmember Mitch O'Farrell presented me. There was this whole speech, right? Amazing. And then I got the chance to take the podium and I was, you know, speaking to all of these city hall members, these council members. And it was a really emotional moment. Um, I... I don't know anyone that's like had an experience like that, mm -hmm. so I couldn't really call and be like, hey girl, what's this like? Yeah, there's a possibility model yeah. for this moment. Um, and it's just really like, I don't want to say it's the validation that I necessarily needed, mm -hmm. but it, it was just this like momentary reminder that I am on the right path mm -hmm. and I'm doing the right things. Yes. And it's not just about me, right? Yeah. Like one of the first and most important things that I said was, I am here for everyone that will never have the opportunity to stand mm -hmm. in front of you right now. Mm. And it's so much more than pronouns. It's mm -hmm. so much more than gender identity, right? Mm -hmm. This is like a human issue. Mm -hmm. um, and I like to think that, you know, I use and we use this gender conversation as a metaphor for something so much mm -hmm. bigger mm -hmm. than than who we are and how we identify. Mm. It's, it's how this world operates mm -hmm. and the great divide that exists and mm. how, how we can bring these energies closer together rather than farther apart. Mm. And speaking of energies, you know, you have done so much work to be more expansive in how we all think about gender mm. and queerness, but there's a person who is very famous in this world that thinks the opposite, his name mm. is President Trump. Yes. And he tweeted the other day about pride. Yeah. Were you did you see the tweet go live? I, think I did. Yes, we I did see this tweet. You know, I, I try not to really mm. pay much attention to that person. Um, you know? No, nothing really surprises me yeah. anymore from that administration. Like, I'd, this is going to sound a little problematic, but I'd rather see him post about it than not. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, um, because it's starting more conversation, yeah. right? And uh, the hypocrisy that exists yeah. within it. And it's just kind of like, whatever, yeah. out of sight, out of mind, right? Mm -hmm. This this is our month. Yeah. Like, I don't need... Would you say that it makes it feel, you know, I think a lot of us feel gaslit by Donald Trump. Yeah. You know, he, we, we see all these things like the Trump trans ban, you know, what's happening on the border. I'm like, this is terrible. And then he'll tweet and say, no, it's not. What are you talking about? So right. do you think these tweets are good in that they show us that like we're not crazy? That yeah. His policies are different than what he's saying. A hundred percent. But we also have to remember that he's just the face of something that is so much larger, mm -hmm. right? That exists in this country. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just his fault. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people that do the exact same thing. And mm -hmm. like, look at Pride Month. There's all these companies that, you know, throw a flag on mm -hmm. on a T-shirt or something and then don't actually support the community yeah. or aren't putting money towards, you know, infrastructure. And it, it, it's, it's, it's a much larger issue than mm -hmm. just one man in office. Yes, and that will maybe change in the next election. Are you following closely the 2020 Democratic candidates coming uh, on the pipeline? To a certain extent, yeah. Um, there's what twenty two different yes, candidates. Yes, we've point. had Andrew Yang on mm -hmm. so far. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, I am kind of like 
it's going to take a step back until we narrow them down mm-hmm. a little bit more. But it doesn't matter for me who it necessarily is. Like they are getting my vote, and I'm going to you know parade as hard as I possibly mm-hmm. can for that person when it happens. Wonderful, um, wonderful, you know. But it's 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 a little upsetting to see. Uh, all of the men get talked about more than the women are right now. Um, you know, it's just the world that we live in, this country that we live in. Yeah. yeah. So let's move on to your book. Great. It's called The Space Between. Yeah, Space what Between. What does The Space Between mean? Oh, it's everything. Is it also queer? Like the beaver? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the beaver lands somewhere right in the <laughs> middle of the space between. Um, the space between the binaries, the space between Republican and Democrat, the space between good and evil— uh, as human beings, like we understand the gray areas of things very much so in our waking lives. But when we're telling a story or when we need to um, like uh, identify with one thing or another, we have a really hard time um, navigating spaces between mm-hmm. one or the other. And really so much of, of, of my work is about this... Uh, deconstructing of binaries and divides uh, that exist in everything, mm-hmm. right? And I, I very much so believe in the spectrum of anything. Mm. And, you know, I think that because of binary gender, because of man and woman, we only see, or so much of the world only sees gay and straight, right? Mm-hmm. We have a hard time looking past that. And mm-hmm. I think we just kind of need to like break it all down and start from scratch. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for stopping by yeah, and talk to me about me. this and the beaver. Yeah. Beaver conversation, I'll remember forever. Come on, beaver. We're going to put beaver on a pride flag. Yes, you. <laughs> beaver pride. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. And The Space Between comes out September 17th. And Younger, season six premieres June 12th on TV Land. More AM to DM is up next. Welcome back. RuPaul's Drag Race season 11 may be over, but the library is still open. Today, Sizzah G and I are joined by Monet Exchange, uh, All Stars 4 winner and host oh. of the Exchange Rate on yes! Build Series. Yes, ma'am. What's the tea? You know, the tea is good. It is a very early morning. <laughs> She's gonna. <laughs> I haven't had my vodka yet, so I'm not warmed up. But I am so very, very happy. Well, we're so happy you're here. You're picking up our first gay show called Gay... Gay Gay to DM. DM. I was going to say Gay D. (laughs) I mean, same, girl. Same. One of the same. Gay D to AM. Mm -mm -mm. Well, thankfully, Monet, I have already been drinking a lot of vodka. So I'm fully lubricated and I'm ready to ask you some questions. (laughs) So we should just make out so it'll be like awesome. Okay, great. Okay, take the mic. (laughs) Hi, Kai. I love. I love. Um, Okay, so my first question. Last time you were here, we put your ass to work. You Uh were in the control room, you were directing mm-hmm. the show, you were running around, mm-hmm. but this time uh, you're coming back here and you host your own show. I do. What was that process like? You know, it was so funny. So I did the season 11 rollout for mm-hmm. Build where, you, where they, mm-hmm. they bring all of the girls on this right. the current season and then someone moderates and, and interviews them. So they asked me to do it and um, I was like, sure, I'm down because our experience with AS3 was great, AS24 was great. So I was like, I'll do it. Fine. It was amazing. Did that and then I was like, this was so Goddamn fun. Mm-hmm. So then after that, I walked to the basement with all like the execs and the people, and I was like, and I walk in with like my, <laughs> my no shoes on, yeah. walking around. I'm like, I'm like, I'm I'm gonna do a talk show here. And everyone's like, ha ha, ha she's so crazy. I was like, I'm serious. You're like, no girl, I'm that's talk what's really happening. You named it and you claimed girl, it. Girl, and I went home and I emailed her. I was like, this is what my show will look like. Boom, 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 boom. Point A, point B, point B, point C section, sub A, B. And she was like, 
This sounds great. Let's do it. And here we go. Oh, my are. God. Yeah. Speak it into yeah. existence. Speak it. Girl, I'm going to speak. This summer, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Whoop. That, girl, Look, I, I see I've this got for a you. doctor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you're kind of following in RuPaul's footsteps, though, yeah. too. Because she had the first drag queen talk show. And essentially, you have the second one in the United yeah. States. Yeah. How does that feel? It feels really good. And Ru was my first. I had Ru as a guest on the show yeah. yesterday, which oh. was blew my goddamn mind because oh, he was obviously a dream guest. I was like, yeah. hopefully Rue do my show one day. And he was at the studio doing a build and they asked me, he was like, of course, I would love to stay to do one show. And we had a great interview. He is so fucking funny. Literally everything, he, RuPaul is... It's RuPaul. She, she, right. Jesus. She, she, Jesus. She's the beginning and the end. Jesus Alpha and Omega. With a <laughs> lovely 613 blonde wig on her head. Amazing. Sick thing, sick thing. Yeah. So it's your first time hosting a show, yeah. and it's my first time hosting a show. I'm two weeks new to the job. Shut up. Yeah. So what have you been learning as a new host? What's been hard for you? The hardest thing for me is learning how to shut up because I love to talk, but I'm like, this interview is not about me. It's about these people and their stories. Yeah. It's about, it's about what, what they're here to talk about. So it's oftentimes me like taking a back seat mm-hmm. and letting them talk and let me, so you're doing a great job today. Yeah. You're letting oh, me spill you. my life. Yes, creating space as much as I want. Talk. Exactly. Who is your dream guest? Ooh, my dream guest. Well, me. after RuPaul. <laughs> this is a dream. Wait, in my book? You took the words out of my mouth, okay. girl. <laughs> <laughs> after RuPaul, honestly, one of my dream guests would probably have to be Anne Hathaway. Oh. Yeah. Because she's a big fan. Right? I know. She's yeah, a big fan. I was, the, uh, the Princess of Genovia is a Monet stand. I was Royalty. Like, yes. Work. We need, <laughs> okay, that. social media editors, cut this, tag Speak her. We're going to make this happen today at BuzzFeed News. <laughs> Let me get my Oprah hands together. <laughs> <laughs> you, my dear. I would love that. Uh, or Jennifer Hudson. I am a, I oh, love Jennifer Hudson. Who's a core of my spirits mm-hmm. by being, I love her. I would love to have Jay Hudson. Okay, guest. those are two great ones. And I, and I wanted to sing. And so, not like as a performance, but to do something fun to make her sing, because she's fucking fierce. Well, no, but can no. I say What fuck? you need to do Shit. is, Oops. You can well, do not. Okay. It's the internet. We can do See. these things. <laughs> well, I think like it would be amazing if you two did it, but then also you recreated the, uh, and I'm telling you, Oh and my God! Going, but it was like, <laughs> who? Wait, so who am I, Curtis? No, I, well, I would be Sherelle. <laughs> okay, you can be Dina. Okay, um, Jennifer Hudson can be Effie. Who am I? You're Curtis. I'm Curtis. You're Curtis. You're Curtis. 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 The trade. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, never. Don't you? Don't try it. What have I mean, you look, been called trade? He's trying. No, he's trying to speak into existence. Oh, speak into existence. Well, on the subject of trade, actually, um, I host with a noted heterosexual Hayes Brown for the library, and he wasn't able to make it here today, but he mm. did record a video for you. Did he Take really? A look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Hey, Monet. So, you got the Pepsi commercial with Cardi B, which is huge, but I want to know, what's the absolute jankiest product that someone has tried to get you to endorse with all of your all-star power? The jankiest product? Um... Okay, and so at the first drag con I did last year in LA, I'm not gonna say any names. Someone came up to me, they're like, "Hey, we're, we're we're like really trying to like move this new product, and you know, we're such big fans of yours on the show, and you're so lovely and so kind. Would you be so kind to take a picture of of, of of the product and so we can just post on social media?" I was like, "You know, it's your, it's my first time." Yeah. I'm like, mm. "Yes, I would love to." Literally, I they were trying, they were selling a type of tucking panty, Ooh, okay, but. I think the one I received was used. <gasps> so I'm holding this panty in this picture. Literally, the nose hairs on the on my left <laughs> nostril are burning from the smell. <laughs> and I'm posing, and I'm like... You're like, work. You were work. selling the yeah. garment. Selling the garment, selling girl. The garment. I was like, 
I'm too far in. I can't say no. Yes, I'm holding commit. this thing. Let's commit to it. Get out of my hands. <laughs> God. Yeah. So you, you know who you are. <laughs> I hope they're watching. Mm-hmm. So speaking of DragCon, season 11 just wrapped. Yes, These bitch. girls will be making those rounds. Uh-huh. What did you think of this past season as someone that is so well-known from this show? Mm. You know, I really enjoyed the season. To be, to be honest, I didn't get to... I, I saw every episode up until episode five, like yeah. all the way through, but then I left to go on a European tour for like a month and a half. So like... It gets in Europe like by a pigeon four days after the episode <laughs> Smoke airs. signal like, comes it was, out. I was like, this yeah. is too hard to find. Yeah. I can't do it. So I would like watch clips on YouTube and mm-hmm. on, on Instagram and stuff. But um, I thought it was a good season. A lot of like girls like Silky and Raja got a lot of backlash and saying, oh, they were too this. They were too much. I'm like, you have to realize these girls help make the show fun and enjoyable and watchable. If these girls weren't acting up and mm-hmm. being loud and fun and crazy, then you'd say the season is too boring. Right, like season so seven. Like, <laughs> but you know, I think at you the same time, same what the problem is is that people so often will police queens of color yeah. more so than the white absolutely yes, so absolutely i'm like let this bitch be loud and right. fun and crazy live her joy that, she is she is that that is her personality that's yeah. who she is and if it wasn't you'd be like this season is so boring oh these girls have no personality mm-hmm. so it's like you cannot win for losing sometimes with god fans, no, you know god, no. so that's why it is reigning true to who you are is just the best way to go because then no one can accuse you of being fake mm-hmm. phony or acting you're this is who i am mm. so who from this next last season do you want to see in all stars the next oh nina fucking yeah. west yes. Nina west needs to be in all stars i was a big nina west fan even before drag race oh, really? I, mm-hmm. oh my god yeah like her videos online and she's been known for her activism and all those all everything for mm-hmm. years you know so i'm a big nina west fan i mean when sia is copying your dress it's that's I when you know, know you're a mega star. Yeah, you know what I mean? So I think Nina will definitely come back. And also, she just went home too early. Yeah. It was her first time in the bottom. Like, it was anyway, but yeah. that's neither here or there. I would think Nina, so West, Nina West should be on all Okay, we need to tag Nina now. Cut oh. this. Yes. Push yes. it out. We're going to change <laughs> lives today. Except if she wins, and I won't be the only queen who will be Miss Congeniality and win. Oh so, so never mind. So she has to lose. You, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> A good top two. Well, maybe she'll tie. At this point, we're done with ties. Which I don't like bow ties. I don't like anything with the tie in it. <laughs> trauma, trauma, traumatized. So we're not going to have a tie today because we're going to play a game between the both of you. Ooh, oh this is a great time to test. So we are your knowledge. I'm very we're competitive. Kai-Kai. And okay. I have well, a you you've won a few things. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna play the Price is Right. Okay. The price is Drag. Oh, we don't have a name for this. We're just gonna make it up. So, but the you know how the Price tight. is Right goes, right? Uh-huh. So you guess, mm-hmm. you get an item. You uh-huh. gotta guess the cost, but you can't go over, over. the cost. Okay. Right. Yeah. So you all ready for this? Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm gonna pull something out. Well, I don't wear makeup, so this is gonna be really hard for me. It's yeah, I just wore some chapstick today. <laughs> you know, fresh face, just water. <laughs> right. So the first question is, how much do eyelashes cost? Oh. Wait, who okay. made those? Oh. Sephora. Was it, is it Sephora, the five eyelashes? I'm going to say, I believe, $8.99. Okay. $8.99. I'm going to go with $21. Ooh, why not? Monet okay. wins. I'm $10. Yeah. Wow. Well, I was in was Europe, it? and I, I was... I'm a sweaty queen when I perform, literally torrential downpour. And I was doing my number and my I like fucked up my lashes. I, was, I had to go to Sephora and I bought like three of these and stacked them together for oh, like she, the rest oh, of the tour. So she knows. Yeah. There we go. All right. Next question. How much is an eyeshadow palette? If you don't know what that is, we have one right here. Fruit Sorbet. Okay, but is it Let's that specific one or specific. that specific one? Who is it by? Uh, fruit short Sorbet. Fruit Sorbet. Yeah. Violet Voss. Violet Voss. Let me Girl, see y'all know I don't know my makeup like this. Can you sell that garment? Oh. So, oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go 25. 25. 25. I'm saying, that's a lot of colors. I'm going to say 17. No. 
$24.99. Uh, Wait, no, go above me because that way, isn't it like if you go a dollar more? No. Oh. I thought you have to get, like, if you get above it. You don't want to go over. Okay, well, you both got her prop. It's $18. Oh, well. You almost got her prop. So I, I went because she went over. I oh, went yes, over. But you it, both went over. No, I said $24.99. You said $25. Right, and oh. it was 18 So I'm get, closer to can it. Can I call a friend? So Monet wins that one. <laughs> this is, this is wow. rigged. So actually, we don't need, so we, we're going to just do a bonus uh-huh. just for fun. Uh-huh. But you have one already, so you're, congrats. Um, but how much for a two-pack of control top pantyhose? Oh, control top. My legs. Oh, girl, that's a CVS brand. That's like $6.99. Yeah, girl, that's, I say $6.98. Six ninety nine, six and eight. Uh-huh. Says that she wins. Oh, I win the pantyhose. You win the pantyhose. Brother, $8.99. Damn it. $8.99. I'm like, well, Monet, you are the winner. Congratulations. How does it feel to win everything? You know, it feels great. I want to thank my mother for birthing me. Yes. And, um, Yeah. Well, I'm glad she birthed you because you would not have been here if she had not. Well, Monet, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, And joining me, and you can watch The Exchange Rate every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. at buildseries.com. But up next, we're talking self-care and the daily upgrade. Stay tuned. Thank you so much. Welcome back. This is The Daily Upgrade, brought to you by the City Rewards Plus Card, the card designed to make the everyday more rewarding. Here's a tweet from Omar. Self-care isn't selfish. It's essential. And I couldn't agree more. Joining me now to discuss the importance of taking care of yourself and how we can do it better is Melissa Dahl, Senior Health and Science Editor for The Cut. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Alex. Nice to see you. (laughs) Yeah, good to see you too. So like I said, I care a lot about this topic, but to get us started, how do you practice self-care or take time to take care of yourself? Yeah, so something I've been thinking a lot about lately with regard to self-care is it's become such um, an internet-y thing, right? I feel like we can say that, you know, because we're a show on the internet. Indeed. Um, And the funny thing is, I feel like it's almost blended with this other very internet-y thing of introversion. So a lot of the Mm. things you read about are like, you know, cancel your plans, stay in, do a sheet mask, which is like great. And you, you should do all those things. And I do all those things. But um, what I've been thinking a lot about lately is the other piece of it, which is the not just looking inward, but looking outward and how connecting with other people is a part of self-care that um, that I don't think about enough and that I'm trying to think about more lately. Mm. So Yeah, I think what you're getting at a little bit is the idea of, you know, self-care has become such a catchphrase, yeah. almost like a caricature of yeah. itself. Yeah. So what are some common misconceptions about what self-care is and actually how it really can impact our mental health? Yes. Well, it is certainly, it is certainly, as that tweet said, certainly not selfish. I mean, the way that you treat yourself ends up being the way that you treat other people. I mean, if you've ever, you know, encountered someone who is kind of harsh and judgmental toward you, imagine what they say to themselves. And so it is, it is so important, not just for yourself, but how you conduct yourself in the world to be kind to yourself. Um, I think because it's become this kind of cliched thing, this kind of catchphrase that we, we just kind of, I, I tend myself to find myself dismissing the most important things, you know, the really basic, the like drink water, the like take a nap, you know, these sorts of things. So it becomes to me a little bit about finding a new way to 
describe it to yourself, a new way to think about it to yourself. And I, I heard this once from somebody, like, take care of yourself the way you would take care of your favorite pet. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. yeah. my favorite pet is my dog, Gracie, so yes. That's perfect, because sometimes even when I feel stressed out or, like, I'm, you know, I'm having anxiety about something I was working on or something like that, I'm like, what would I tell my friend? Exactly, that too. If they came to me with yeah. this kind of issue, yeah. how gentle would I be with them? We all yeah. find that. One of the things uh, you mentioned is drink more water. Earlier yes. we talked about putting on a, a nice sheet mask yes. on your face. You know, sometimes people like to take bubble baths. But are there small things we can do to improve our outlook? So this, again, just going back to the kind of looking outward thing, which is not a typical self-care tip, but something I've been thinking about is um, trying to make yourself a regular at certain parts, you know, places in your neighborhood, you know? Like, I am a regular with my dog at a cafe that allows dogs, and I walk in, and everyone goes, Gracie, which is my dog's name, and it is just the most heartwarming thing. Um, So I think that uh, just little... Little ways, you don't have to have a dog to do this, but little ways that you can connect with other people every day is, um, to me, is an overlooked part of self-care. Yeah, I love that. I love those little ways. And I got to say, let's be honest, sometimes like putting on a nice scented candle and putting on a mask. I know I keep going back to the mask thing because I love a mask. (laughs) It really can work. So are there any self-care products or tools available that can improve our mental health? Sure. I mean, there there are the sheet masks. There are all these sorts of things. I would say number one is my dog. <laughs> Not really a product, but, um, you know, I there's like nothing more boring than hearing people talk about their meditation routine, so I will not bore you with that, but the, um, the app Headspace has helped yeah. me in just a ridiculous amount of ways. It just keeps me more balanced throughout the day. Um, so just doing that every morning, um, it's, it does not cost that much money. It's something like $99 for the whole year. Um, so uh, I would highly recommend that. I love that. I love breaking down these ways that are like accessible for us all to just do a slightly better job. Yeah. Get it into our routine. So thank you so much for joining me. Of course, yeah. (laughs) And let's take this to the timeline. How do you practice self-care? Let us know using the hashtag AM2DM. And up next, we're reading more of your tweets. I love that. Welcome back. This is At Us. And what an incredible pride show. That was so much fun. Every day should be that gay. Every day should be. It really should. It really should be. It just felt immediately like family was here. Yeah. Like from Mark to Raquel to Monet to Sisa G being here. Sisa G's always here. It just, yes, everyone, just everyone, just our queer old family hanging out at the barbecue with no barbecue. (laughs) The studio barbecue. (laughs) Well, Princess Leia tweeted this during Zach and Sisa G's sit down with Monet Exchange. Monet Exchange, my queen. She's so fabulous. Yeah. She's lovely. It was really fun. I've always, like, I first noticed her because she shares a name with my sister, Monet. Um, they don't look the same, sadly. <laughs> I know that's sad. I don't know how you feel about that, Monet. Yeah. But anyway, she's so talented. <laughs> Something to think about. So sweet. Such good energy. I loved having her. Yeah. She's so great. Well, we wanted you to tell us about your first Pride, and Jolie tweeted, I marched in the New York City Pride uh, Parade with Fierce New York the same summer I came out. After years of being terrified and self-hating, my specific memory was hitting Christopher Street and voguing all the people around, just cheering and letting me live. I'll never forget that. Uh, Uh, Such a beautiful memory. Yes. And also Fierce is a really badass organization. They do Mm -hmm. a lot of work with LGBTQ uh, youth of color. That's important. Donate to them. Yeah. They didn't pay us for that. Donate. (laughs) (laughs) Show them some love. 
Well, thank you to our guests, Mark Joseph Stern, Raquel Willis, Syzygy, Melissa Dahl, Nico Tortorella, and Monet Exchange. Next week, we've got a, a really great show for you. Nisi Nash is here, Julia Stiles, Kevin Bacon, and Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and even more people than that. What even an incredible more, time. Even more. Well, we'll be back here on Monday at 10 a.m. Have a great weekend, and of course, happy Pride. Happy Pride. Yes. Gay rights. Gay rights.